On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are heading back to Hackney for the return of Top Boy, which lands on Netflix this time around, taking a trip to the Emerald Isle to solve a cold case in Cork with Conleth Hill in holding on ITV, and learning how not to run a business with Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway in We Crashed on Apple TV+. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that has publicly derided season two of Picard for its reliance on an old, tried and tested formula, its penchant for harking back to the good old days and its inability to try anything new. Now, apropos of nothing and not at all related to that, I'm sorry to say that our very own Beth can't be with us today as she's been struck down with a case of the cove, leaving Boyd and I to hold down the fort alone. Boyd suggested we review a new ITV series. I made a sneery, elitist comment. He called me a bellend and I said to him, Boyd, if I'm going to sit here and be called a bellend live on this podcast, then God damn it, I want it done properly. I want it done by a fucking professional. I want it done by someone who has turned the simple act of insulting me into a fucking art form. So I dropped my microphone. I climbed to the top floor of the pilot TV building and I fired up the great big floodlight on the roof that projects a giant profile of Shane Meadows into the sky. I said to myself, this is our <laughs> darkest hour, our time of greatest need. And there can only be one person to answer this call. She is the hero we need. And in my case, at least 100% the hero we deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, for one night only on her comeback tour, please bow your heads for the one, the only, the legendary Terry motherfucking White. Hello. Woo. You do realise that there will be some people listening to this, hopefully going, yeah, Terry's back. And there will also be a healthy number of people going, oh, for fuck's sake, not again. To those people, I no. apologise. Yes. To, to the people who are happy to, uh, to hear me, I'm very happy to be in your ears once more. One last time. But we can see that Terry is specially launching her tribute to This Is England for this podcast um, oh, yes. in today's look. Yeah, You're looking very trouble on the terraces today. Yes, so I'm wearing a uh, fresh out-of-the-packet <laughs> Fred Perry done up, top button done up as usual. And while I was waiting to join this podcast, I got bored and a bit distracted and cut myself a fringe. Did you literally just do it's totally? It's totally accurate yeah. to to this is England. Hang uh, on, that's amazing. Yeah, I seem to recall you literally saying to me at one point that if you ever see someone cutting their own fringes, a cry for help. No. Well, take from, take from that what you will, and and you can't see this at home, but I am holding up. You're holding up bits of fringe, bits of hair that you've to, cut off to prove that I just cut this off my own. This oh is, my god. I, I'm hoping this is going to be chapter 11 in the book about Terry White's hair that um, I'm hoping to, is going to be coming soon. This yes. is incredible. Right, yes. Boyd, how do we feel Terry in? What she missed? What she missed? Have oh. you been watching Picard, Terry? Have you been excited about Picard? Have you been watching? Did you watch the finale of The Expanse? Tell us all about it. Uh, did I fuck? And did I fuck? <laughs> I have missed, do you know what? Do you know what I've missed about uh, leaving Empire most is actually leaving this podcast because we have had wow. these months of television. Holy shit. The fact that I had to sit alone in my living room <laughs> screaming at my uh, then 18-month-old son about and just like that uh, <laughs> was, you know, not the ideal way to have that conversation. Um and it's just been brilliant. How brilliant has it been? Like so 
many. Actually, we're not still talking about and just like that. So, no, yeah. no, 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 no. We are not talking about <laughs> just like that. You will be pleased to hear. But um, yeah, I've have I've missed uh, both of you, um, and I've missed shouting about telly because yes. I've realised there's nothing better to do in life than shout about telly and occasionally call you a bell end. I agree. That's all I need. That's a well-rounded yeah. life. And see, so much has happened. I've gone off Star Trek in your absence a bit, a kind of a bit off Star Trek. I'm off Discovery because it's rubbish. And the first three episodes of Picard I thought were very derivative. But there's still a lot to unpack there. We'll get into that later. Okay. okay. Can't wait. Good. Can't yeah, wait. But, 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 but seriously, seriously, this is now we sort of segue into the what we've been watching thing. Terry, what have you been watching over the past six months? <laughs> what have I been watching over the last... Okay, so I watched um, oh, 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 Show Trial... Can we talk about Show Trial? Did oh, you like Show Trial? I loved it. Mm. Absolutely. Watched the first episode, was like, absolute nonsense. This is really irritating. <laughs> and then watched the entire rest of it in one evening. Um, what else have I been watching? I mean, like everything on BBC, basically. <laughs> I'm obsessed with The Apprentice again. Oh, God. Yes. Are you there with me? Yes. I know I'm being manipulated. Uh, every year gets more absurd in... It you know it's form it's it's kind of uh, resoluteness to this formula, and each one each year is slightly more heightened mm. than the rest. So well, it's each, become like series, a parody. Yeah, this this year's bunch are the most stupid ever. I think it. I think it's. I think it's absolutely incredible how how thick and um, useless most of it's them remarkable. are. It's remarkable. It's like yeah. every task they fail, every task they show themselves to have not an ounce of common sense or intelligence between them. I wouldn't pay them <laughs> to like come round my house and sit watching paint dry because I think they might somehow manage to get it wrong. It's utterly amazing. But do you know what's weird? I've been thinking this is it there's a weird disconnect culturally now because if you think about when the apprentice started it was kind of peak like girl boss and aggressive business and um you know the whole move fast break things brutal side of business and now we're in the uh years of be kind and mental health mm. initiatives in the workplace and free yoga and all of those <laughs> kind of things but you still have basically Alan Sugar patronising them, <laughs> ridiculing yeah. them, calling them names. You've still got like them shouting at each other in the boardroom, and and there's a weird kind of it just doesn't mm. fit within where yeah. work culture is anymore, which makes it kind of all the more fascinating. But it does make me wonder how much longer it's got because of that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's really it, the whole format is re massively dated. Yeah, and he he in particular is is a, is a dinosaur, a visible dinosaur, and he's still like if you follow his Twitter feed, he kind of tweets along with it sometimes, and it, it's even worse. He makes it worse. Like he's less respectful, more he is himself incredibly stupid in every, almost everything that he tweets. So yeah, the whole atmosphere of it is wrong. Mm. Is massively. Wrong. I started tweeting about when the first episode went out. I thought, oh, I'll join in the fun and tweet about, it. and then I actually stopped because I thought a lot of people were saying this is just wrong now. This whole show is wrong now. So it's become. It, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but it's become a genuine guilty no. pleasure because I do feel guilty watching it and and yeah. kind of engaging with it. Because it is a bit wrong. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'll tell you what else I loved as well. <laughs> Starstruck um, season two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Just, I've watched that yet. Yeah. I do love Rose she, McFair. She is an absolute 
genius. And I came to the first season, I think it was actually after I'd left the pod, like super late. She is, she's created the most charming character Mm. I can remember on telly in a long time. Utterly, utterly, utterly charming. Loved being in her company. Even though parts of it from a storytelling perspective were kind of ridiculous. You You just went with it because she's so brilliant. And the second season... It got a bit of a kicking in some parts, and I, yeah, I loved it. Mm, I same, loved it. Yeah, same. I thought the party, you know the episode where you throw, <laughs> yeah, throw a big party? I, I th- that was just like 25 minutes of utter brilliance, utter TV brilliance. Yeah, Everything yeah. about it was just so great, yeah. I and mean, wasn't it, I it was like the dinner party, the um, murder mystery dinner party yeah, one in right, season yeah. one. Fantastic, It was yes. the mirror of that, and I was mm. just like, that is just absolutely... She's really good at those episodes um, yeah. where, you know, it's one locale and, and all the bits of drama are happening. Oh, yeah, I just think she's fucking incredible. Also, I'm just going to run through everything I've ever seen. <laughs> Keep going. Um, yeah. Um, um, uh, Vicky McClough, Vicky McClough, Vicky McClough, Vicky McClough. You're the bomb, Vicky McClough. Bomb, bomb girl. Bomb, bomb yeah, girl yeah. the series. <laughs> Yeah, Bomb Girl series. <laughs> Love yeah. that. She yeah. was brilliant. Like, that got a lot first... of people slagged that off as well, unfairly, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I felt like it took a little bit of time mm. to warm up, but, I mean, that that cliff, I'm not going to say what it is in case people still haven't seen it because that always happens. Well, the, I, I thought what happened by the end of the first episode I was in because obviously yes. there's a very yes. big moment, um, a very bold moment at the end of the first episode that kind of i was in i was in for life at that point what else i loved I let me so ask you much. about like, chloe 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 um so <laughs> i again that was like <laughs> show trial for me yeah. I, I was thinking this is slightly ridiculous she's so heightened and a lot of the plot twists were ridiculous the scene in the courtroom where she was testifying and with and again I won't say what it is in case because it's a spoiler where she reveals something from her something very traumatic from her past the way that was written so authentically so mm. differently than most kind of victims quote unquote that you see on screen in those circumstances I thought it was like exceptional writing um an exceptional performance i think she's amazing and yeah i was fully fully actually no did i just get show trial and chloe confused you mixed them up yeah you're talking show trial yeah and i know the scene you mean and you're 100 percent right it's fucking brilliant it's brilliant chloe is the one with the unrealistic dinner parties (laughs) chloe is um what's her name erin doherty yeah i mean again right that premise There's a lot of kind of going with it. I think she was just brilliant. Like, I mean, we all knew she yeah. was great, right? But I mean, she is something else in this. And you end up buying into it completely. Like, even as it gets increasingly ridiculous, I just thought, it was, like, I did the whole thing again in like one night. I thought it was brilliant. I bet yeah. you, did, did you hate it, James? I, I did. I did hate it because people don't make friends that easy. It's fucking did. ridiculous. And the dinner party annoyed me, so I stopped watching it. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, hang on, hang on. 
You don't make friends. <laughs> That's what I said. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, exactly. Okay. No one is inviting Mo around to their house. That's yeah. weird. Nobody does that. And I'm not even going to say nobody, you don't make friends that quickly. I'm just going to say you don't make friends. Full stop. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's why yeah. you don't get it. I have a very yeah. sophisticated social screening process. That's all I'm saying. Yes, you meet people, decide you don't like them. And then, you know, I'm still not quite sure how your actual friends ever got through. I'm like, I think it's like they're, they've yeah. been legacied in because I've known them since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a grandfather clause. Oh, um, my God. Did you I'm watch Our to... House? That felt like a very Terry show. Our House? No, I didn't. It's you on my list. You'll enjoy that. That's Constant. a Terry show. It's yeah. like it's like imagine it. behind her eyes, but only fractionally less mental. Yeah, that, and <laughs> that I have, I have a defin- I have a question for you. I need the def- definitive Terry White um, verdict on is this is going to hurt misogynistic? No. Good. So I okay. <laughs> no, but no. So I think what. I, I understood where people were coming from, especially kind of in the first episode. There was a, dis, a kind of a dismissive um, attitude towards the women, and I understand why some people thought they were treated like cattle or like, you know, they were just breeding machines or what have you. I think probably what it was accurately portraying is the massive amounts of pressure those doctors are under the sheer volume of women they see every day and their only task is to try and get yeah. the baby out safe and the and the mother to be safe um and i thought it was you know i thought incredibly moving i mean my god you know the last episode and the penultimate episode just devastating yeah. absolutely devastating and i think there were certain realities in that that were uncomfortable around privilege around you know how how women can sometimes be seen in those situations as just the thing that's got to bring this other life into being but i i, di- I didn't feel like he his writing or the show's position right. was exactly. misogynistic yeah. at all no no um, completely yeah yeah but i, I know think a, absolute, a, a lot of people yeah. did i feel like, feel like i'm missing something amazing that i haven't mentioned uh, um, you, peaky fucking like, blinders is what you're missing peaky blinders. Oh, yeah. well so i haven't started the new season because i'm still going with the old season so i'm having to shut my eyes to literally everything Oh. Hang on, hang on. But you started this a while back, and it is the Terry White way to discover something many, many years later and like binge it all in an evening. So how has this not happened? Well, no, it was about what was it, six or seven weeks ago? Mm. I discovered. Yeah. And and I I haven't been able to watch it in the way that I normally would because of you know children and jobs and deadlines and and wanting to watch other things as well. But I'm trying to watch it in a more sane less mental way mm. um so i'm having to shut my eyes to everything <laughs> about peak blinders but i love him so much <laughs> and in real life he could walk past I was me gonna in the street say, and i'd be he like he is 100 nah, percent a terry white kind of object of affection <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness yeah that's like a whole new level of uh I don't even know how to describe it. It's not a crush. It's not lust. It's like some kind of obsession, like an, a part intellect, part physicality, part 
mental part. Oh, I can't describe it. It's really intoxicating. I was wondering whether you'd be a Tommy girl or an Arthur girl, and I couldn't decide. Come on. Oh, come on. Yeah. I mean, Arthur, fuck well, Hey, you say God. that. I know yeah, for a fact that someone in Empire's Orbit is absolutely obsessed with Arthur Shelby. Oh, so. I know who you mean. I know, I know, yeah, I know who you mean, yeah. Yeah, but no, let's no, not no, encourage no, no. that. No, oh, no, Oh, no. yeah, I, I yeah. also, yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. have a good guess at who that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, I mean, he's just, he's just, I don't think, yeah, I'm looking at my own tweets to see if I've if you've done any thirsty tweets about no, Arthur Shelby. Just, uh, <laughs> great shows. You, you, what about the informer? No, the responder. The responder. Oh, Martin Freeman. Oh, 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 oh. So <laughs> I absolutely loved the responder. So I'll be honest. I saw the. Uh, I mean, it kind of came out of the blue. I didn't see a massive amount of press for it. Um, Martin Freeman, I wasn't convinced would really work in mm. that role. I just didn't see it at all. And um, I turned it on and I was like, yo, I'll just watch it passively or whatever. The writer, and forgive me because I've forgotten his name off the top of my head and I will look it up because that is rude because it's very important. Um, Tony Schumacher, who obviously was a real life uh, policeman and, and went through PTSD and all of that. The writing is some of the best writing I can remember on telly. And it wasn't even the big moments. It was the moments stitched in between. There was a mm. bit where he got called in the first episode to the block of flats where he's repeatedly called because these neighbours are falling out. And that scene, the dialogue in that scene is just so realistic and but also weird and a bit odd and i just thought it was genius the way he wrote so so authentically um but with such power and i thought martin freeman was the best he's ever been in anything like those scenes with his therapist um extraordinary the interior life he built and the things he didn't say, but he just acted like actors do. Yeah. I just thought he was absolutely incredible. I bought every bit of it. And the relationship between him and the uh, young rookie cop as well, I thought she was incredible. Let me get her name because it's terrible that I can't remember <laughs> that either. Um, but she was and she's kind of going to go on to massive things. Um, Adeleo, Adedeo, and she was, I thought her character arc was brilliantly done and the way she kind of portrayed the arc and the way she changed up, I just thought the whole thing was pretty much no perfect and it looked incredible. Mm, And I know, um, and the pacing, I know, Philip uh, Barantini, who did Boiling Point, directed a couple of the episodes. Uh, just class, class, class all round, all round. One of my favourite shows of the year, if not my favourite yeah. show of the year. Yeah, same. <laughs> did you watch that uh, ITV show? What was it called, Boyd? Banged Up Abroad, I forget. What was it? The one that I hated. You're just trying to bring up... Like, this is what James is doing now. He's bringing up shows that he thinks are, are like tacky ITV things that he doesn't have to bother with and he can be patronising and snobbish about. And he's hoping to draw you in to his, his little, you know, one-man fight against what he perceives to be 
ITV drama being too populist or whatever. I don't know. Let me guess. The sh- you're talking about the Sheridan, Sheridan Smith. Smith. Yes. Yeah. Look, yeah. There, there were two Sheridan Smith things on in a space of weeks, right? There was uh, No Return, which is the one, that was the one. set yes. abroad where her son... I didn't enjoy that one. No, I didn't think it was the greatest thing ever. However... Sheridan Smith in the BBC show, which was called uh, not the one um, with uh, uh, Stephen Merchant. It was the one where she was a teacher. The teacher that was Channel yeah. Five. The teacher oh, on Channel Five. Five. Oh, yes. yes, it was. Yes. It was. It yes. was. It was. Because I was talking to somebody about how um, this was one of their original dramas, like the call centre one with Sally yeah. Lindsay, and yeah. I thought that. Uh, the teacher was it called the teacher they called the teacher yeah. yeah yeah i thought that was really great i thought yeah, and i good. actually in my head thought it was bbc because of the quality of it i thought she was really great i thought the whole thing um was handled really really well um i thought samuel bottomley who pe- played the kid um was really good um again i watched that in like I just binged the entire thing because mm. um, Channel 5 put it all up. Um, but, James, you're not going to drag me into just slagging off ITV and Sheridan Smith. Some things are, some things are great and some things hey, are Hey, look, but, my show know. of the week last week was an ITV show. I am growing as a person. What was it? It was it was mm. Our House. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, so that was the What's Terry Been Watching section. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's Terry's been watching for the last six months of her life? Uh, Boy, did you have anything that you would like to add? Yeah, I'll just give you one thing, because this is a show that we should have done. We should have covered it. We should have reviewed it. But Sky kind of just dropped it. Almost like you know how Netflix does often without any fanfare, they just slotted it into the Sky Comedy uh, schedule. Started last week. It's called Somebody Somewhere, and it stars Bridget Everett, who you'll recognise from various kind of supporting roles in film. She's also in herself a stand-up and a kind of a cabaret performer. She's an absolute one-woman phenomenon. It's um, a comedy created by Hannah Bose and Paul Thoreen, who run a, a a group called the Debate Society in Brooklyn, which is like a kind of um, very creative, a drama, theatrical group. But the thing about this show is it's partly based on Bridget Everett's own um, experiences growing up in Manhattan, Kansas, um, with a kind of very kind of small, a, a small town community who all know each other, but they're kind of creative. It's got a kind of like, they're kind of like a kind of out there quite odd creative community and she goes back there but she has to deal with the death of her sister that's the the opening uh the opening right at the beginning that's the premise but it's just a kind of exploration of kind of people who are a bit kind of misfits and outsiders in um in mainstream american society people finding each other through friendship and um it's really it's incredibly moving and funny and um, authentic, and Bridget Everett is an absolute phenomenon, and it's fantastic. And and it, it's got Mark Duplass, the Duplass brothers are involved, so it's got that kind of um, as producers, it's got that kind of loose, not very heavily plotted, quite freewheeling feel to it. Um, but it's I love it, and it's and it is becoming a bit of a phenomenon, a bit of a cult phenomenon in America. The reviews have been like, this is something everyone should stop paying attention to. So somebody somewhere, Sky Comedy slash Now. Um, 
Yeah, check it out. She is amazing. I saw her do her one-woman show uh, when I lived in New York. And oh, she's wow. and she's massive in New York, like yeah. she is. Because she is a very New York woman. Even I know she's not from New York, but that sensibility. Yeah. And she's yeah. really big on that kind of improv scene out there. But that her one-woman show is absolutely magnificent. So I'm definitely going to check that out. I'll tell you what I forgot to mention, <laughs> and I only want to mention it because it's important, was... Um, Pam and Tommy, um, oh, yeah. which James, mm. James, you and I had some WhatsApp action about. If it, some people may have read my Empire review on it um, and know my position, which is incredible performances, impeccably made, ethically dog shit. Are you going to watch her yeah. Netflix documentary though? Well, that so that was I was going to mention that and news. Is this a segue? A good segue to news? No, probably not. But, but we, that's a ways off. But we covered this the other week. You talk about it now. Like you'll, you'll find that but, since you've left, the structure of this podcast has become fucking oh. anarchic. So we just do what we want when we want. So oh. go for it. Well, Hit us with it. Yes. So she obviously she actually didn't ever put out a public statement about Pam and Tommy. There were reports, um, quoting sources close to her, her friends, saying that she was obviously unhappy about this being made without her consent there was a very long um long form piece in i think it was the hollywood it was either variety or the hollywood reporter i think it was the hollywood reporter um where the um filmmakers and and cast and crew were all interviewed and they all said that they approached her lily james approached her directly and she didn't respond. Um, and I think I think the showrunner said, "So you know, she didn't respond. So we thought, you know, we we do the the kind thing and make it anyway without her consent." <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so I, I I think it's brilliant she's making her own documentary because you know she's like like I I tried to say in the review, people have claimed Pamela Anderson for decades you know since the 90s and before that she was spotted in a crowd at a baseball game put in a beer ad and got in playboy was very close to Hugh Hefner I think she was the woman who was on the cover of playboy most and when the sex tape came out and people presumed she she had leaked it and had made this money out of it she's never made a single single dime off of that tape and you know it was all for the profit and titillation of of men and all those years later for there to be an incredibly well-made tv show about it about the objectification about the ownership of her that she had no say in of the violation of that happening without her consent or say so um being made without her consent or, or say so was, you know, incredibly difficult, I think. And, and you know, there's a bigger debate about do you always have to have cooperation and consent of somebody if you portray them? But I think when it's very specifically about exploitation yeah, and consent, and, yeah. and consent <laughs> I, I think you have you do have an ethical issue there. Um you know, Tommy Lee was like, well, great, can't wait to see it. Hey, because, you know, talking, obviously, brilliant. Yeah, I've got an a- animatronic penis and basically I come out of it looking like a dude. But, um, and, you know, they they absolutely show all those double standards around sexuality, about men being studs, women being whores, 
they handled it all really well, but you couldn't really get away from that issue. So I do not in any way at all, you know, blame her for going, do you know what? I'll do a documentary and I'll do my perspective because it's her story to tell, really. And I'll be really interested to see what's in it. You know, she does a lot of philanthropic, I can't say that word, philanthropic work. She always has violence against women, specifically animal rights. She's very engaged in, in all of that stuff and spends a lot of her time actually um, working for those causes. So hopefully we'll get to see a different side to her that people haven't been that interested in exploring because they'd rather talk about her tits or a sex tape that was leaked without her consent. If I can be that crass. Yes, you can. <laughs> Thank you. Um all right, well, I will share one thing that I've been watching, and it is simply The Last Kingdom, which I was meant to watch for last week. I didn't have time, but I have watched, I think, seven, maybe eight episodes this week. That's basically all I've been watching. And I have been very excited to be reunited with Uhtred of Beb and Burr. Um, I will say, like, when it started, I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, is this? Mm. And I wasn't, I was a little bit hit and miss on it. And then I, I kind of, you slide into it. It's like a warm bath or like a comfy slipper. There's something about the last kingdom where it's just, it's very, very familiar. And I, now I am just 100% full ball through it. Like, I'm watching nothing else. This is my whole week. I'm, I'm loving every second of it. So it's great. Last season. So I've got a couple of episodes left. So we'll find something to go on after that. But yeah, a lo- lot of fun with the last kingdom. Obviously, now, airing on netflix on the netflix okay shall we talk about listener questions specifically we have one this week which i feel was tailor-made for terry now this one comes from jono day on twitter and uh jono says question for the pod i recently watched all of fresh meat after a conversation on the podcast earlier in the year i remember starting to watch the series when it first when it was first on but i don't remember why i didn't carry on because i enjoyed the hell out of it this time around my question is are there any series that you've picked back up after you stop watching and then you can't understand why you ever stopped well that was peaky blinders wasn't it because i had to watch some episodes for the pod and I did. And I sat here and I went, fucking hell, Nick Cave, uh, <laughs> Tommy Shelby, rearing up horses, incredible cinematography, yes, violence, anger, tortured masculinity. I'm going to go home and watch it and then never picked it up again yeah. until I then did pick it up again um, and realised I'd wasted my life. <laughs> and I actually did, did a similar thing with... West Wing because I I watched mm. an episode the West Wing for something and then I do you know what I think a lot of it comes back to is you <laughs> because <laughs> you go on and on and on about stuff and I just think oh for fuck's sake like and and it's not even that I don't trust your taste because I do and we share a lot of taste in a lot of things but something in me the devil in me goes don't give in to James don't give in to James don't give him the satisfaction so I feel like I've bit, bit off my nose to spite my face quite a few times um and probably will continue to do so. Is this why you never went back and watched in the rest the of Game of Thrones? Despite having said at one yes. point you think it's the greatest thing that's ever been on television. Yes. <laughs> so I watched a whole season of it because 
because we were doing a special podcast on it. And I was like, whoa, this is television. This, my friends, is television. And I'm going to go. And then I was like, I can't give James that satisfaction. And I need to get over this like psychological yeah. barrier I have with you. I'm going back into um, therapy soon. And I think maybe it's one of the things I should uh, bring table. up. Yes. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> subject of, yeah, most important subject to cover, definitely. Yeah. But all I was going to say is there are other non-Jape, just so we, I don't want him to think my entire life revolves around him. There are things that I just kind of um, either didn't get into properly, so I'm thinking about, like, um, Stathlet's flats. Like, Boyd, you were, like, banging on about that from the beginning, about how good it was. And I think me and, me and James obviously watched an episode for the pod and both kind of slagged it off. And then I watched another one and still was... And then I watched, I think, season th three or basically yeah. a really yeah. late one yeah. and absolutely fell head over heels in love with it and had to go back to the beginning. And the same with Breeders. So the controversial... A conversation mm. about breeders that you two mm. gentlemen had and I was off that week and I was fully with James yeah. and I was like if this was a, a working class family this wouldn't be acceptable etc etc obviously I'm always going to bring it back to class because I'm me <laughs> and I also fell in love with that and like I've now watched that again well I've watched it from the beginning three times Wow. All series, wow. I love it, and I can't wait for it to come back. So I have the things where I leave it and and just don't continue, but I also have it where I've misjudged and actually discovered that I was wrong and then gone back and had to start it all again. I bet you've never had that experience, have you, James, of being wrong? And <laughs> have I ever gone back to a show having written? Well, okay, to be fair, like um, my two, two of my absolute favourite shows were shows that I wrote off and didn't go back to, and they literally are Battlestar Galactica and The West Wing, famously. I watched the first episodes of each, and Battlestar Galactica, I watched the miniseries. Uh and I was a bit, meh. Mm. I didn't go back to either one of them. And it wasn't until later on I discovered that they were amazing. Was And again, I yes. don't, and even now, I'm, objectively, the first episodes are brilliant. I don't know what was wrong with me. And so I suppose the moral of this story is you really shouldn't listen to my recommendations about TV shows ever <laughs> because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, my taste is terrible because I can't trust my own judgment. So that's, that's a, but I have, I have had that definitely. But I think sometimes, it's when you see it and what you're in the mood for. And sometimes it's your expectations as well. Mm. I don't know what I expected Battlestar to be, but I remember my I remember my takeaway from it. Having watched the miniseries, I decided in my head, oh, it's another sci-fi series original. And I genuinely think I was coloured by the fact that it was an original sci-fi thing and my fucking smug elitism kicked into overdrive and I had decided it was a low-rent load of shit before I started watching it. And I almost was unable to break that kind of paradigm mentally, even though it's amazing. Mm. That said, the series is a lot better than the miniseries. Like, but still, the miniseries is brilliant. West Wing, I just don't know what was wrong with me. All I can say is I was young and stupid and I have no excuse. Sorry. I think what we've got out of that is the only person who can be trusted is Boyd. <laughs> and, yeah. that, and that you yeah. and I are completely erratic. Hey, hey. And, uh, I, yeah. Your Honour, Your Honour, I introduce as evidence Boyd Hilton's review of And Just Like That when he said it was great and really good and he really enjoyed it. 
<laughs> and then I, the next I, week I, when he did an official reverse no, 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 no. <laughs> I did I did I did a, I did I was I, that was a roller coaster for me that whole show and I think it was I think it's fair to say it was for Terry as well because I think you know I monitored Terry's reactions to this very closely including the review in Empire and the <laughs> tweets and for a lot of us who were there at the beginning of Sex in the City mm. we it was it was there were bits of it that were good there were just that were terrible it was just a fuck it was a lot to deal with so that's all I'm going to yeah. say about that yeah so well, and, and without because that is a whole we could do a whole podcast yeah. just on that quite frankly but there were episodes that were so brilliant and actually the one directed by Cynthia Nixon was right. especially yep. good. There were some, I mean, there were some moments, Miranda getting finger banged in Carrie's <laughs> kitchen while <laughs> Carrie pissed herself was definitely not something um, I needed to see, which was the, maybe the point because Sex and the City always showed you the stuff that the TV shows didn't show you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there were massive things wrong with it, like everybody being 75 years old, even though they're meant to be in their 50s. Um Steve being 90 and deaf and, you know, also Steve had always been the best sex of Miranda's life and suddenly he couldn't even finger his own wife. Um, it, like, There's so many things wrong with it, but, and, but it was a roller coaster and inconsistent and some episodes alone would have got four stars and some would have got one and... God, yeah, but even within back. episodes, like one bit is like really good and funny and perceptive yeah. and another bit is absolutely, what the fuck are you thinking? This, Excruciating. Like, just sitting there watching him die for a start was like, I mean, that early on, you know, anyway. Yeah, you're right. We could yeah. do, we could go on. But I, I, yeah. my pick would be, I actually, The Leftovers was a show that I stopped watching. Really? I think midway through the first season. Yeah. Originally when it went out, I got a bit annoyed with it midway through the first season. And I can't remember why, but I did go back to it. And now it's obviously it's in my top five of all time. But the one at the moment, I, I was going to mention this in, in the shows that I'm watching, but I actually finished last week. Also on Sky Comedy, this show I completely rejected after watching a couple of episodes of the first season, and now it's transformed, I think, into something really special. It's The Righteous Gemstones. The Righteous Gemstones, which is the Danny McBride comedy, and listeners, James's face is already like screwing up in a like you just, disdainful... Honestly, you couldn't- torture me into watching that well i didn't like it i have to i i when it for, I, and i'm not the world's huge biggest fan of danny mcbride shows anyway he's bound and down was like a big kind of cult thing among, mainly i think among dudes among kind of like hipster mm. dudes but, and i didn't love it i have to say but the righteous gemstones has turned a corner and it is a really magnificent show it's incredibly funny it obviously it deals with the the kind of right-wing christian fundamentalist um uh people family but it does it in such in a non kind of patronizing non-snobbish way it kind of emphasizes the fun that it can be if you're a christian if you're a christian fundamentalist going to these things um so um tell them kind of the televangelism thing john goodman is is just phenomenal as the the patriarch mm. by the way john goodman is like now like two-thirds smaller than he was about five years ago it's really weird to see him like that um adam divine is fucking hilarious in it in this series kind of running this weird like muscle bound um quasi quasi a homoerotic kind of group of men who are all competing to be like these buff guys that's a really funny plot line 
But Edie Patterson is fucking hilarious as well. She is the MVP. She is she's one of the three children of of um, three adult children, um, and she is just brilliant. So it's just a show that is just uh, it's become one of my favourite things. Only in the last couple of weeks, is it a righteous gem? It's a righteous gem, and it, this and I only went back to it because oh, anyway, I only went back to it, James. <laughs> Amazing, because I saw so many people talking about oh, you're, people are missing out on the righteous gemstones. It's become really, really good, and they're right. So yeah, I look forward go. to never discovering this fact. Um, <laughs> okay, if you have a question for the Pilot TV podcast, do send them to us at Pilot TV Pod on Instagram or Twitter, where Sophie will pick them up. There was another one I wanted to tackle this week, but we will punt that down the road just because I think we will run out of time otherwise. So let's move on to this week's news. And the thing I think we should start with this week is after all of the the prognosticating, or after all of the questions, the hand wringing, the teeth gnashing, the wailing, we finally have a date and destination for HBO Max's Peacemaker in the UK, and it is on Sky Max, and it's fucking next week. So, uh, wow. Okay, we'll be doing that on next week's show, but that's exciting, isn't it? I'm the one who had to tear out a page of Heat magazine at the last minute to put the fucking thing in because <laughs> you are the real victim here, Yeah, I'm the real victim here. Yeah, absolutely. Is also... Ex- is, is it exciting, though? You're not excited? Well... <laughs> The America reviews yeah. have been very good. It's supposed to be excellent. I mean, I it is supposed to be excellent. And they've all, everyone's been be banging excellent. on about how it shouldn't be excellent. It should be rubbish, but it's brilliant. And it's got this amazing title sequence and an eagle or something. And I, I, I haven't seen it. And I've been feeling like I've been missing out on a massive pop culture moment. And I'm excited that next week we will get to see it. Even more exciting is another thing is Hacks has also got a date. And that it is has. really exciting because we've waited a fucking year for this show. And what day is that, in America. That is April the 1st on the Prime Video. And it's another example of the mystifying where is a show going to be? Because this is an HBO yeah. Max show. It's ended up on Prime Video. Who the fuck knows why? But it is going to be there on April the 1st. Carry on. All I was going to say about um, Peacemaker is I enjoy the Cena. I think he is yeah. an uh, actually very good uh, comedic actor. Yeah, I enjoyed him in The Suicide Squad. Can he hold an entire, that gag, because that kind of is what it feels yeah. like to me, can that that gag maintain a whole series? That would be my question. With you 100%, and I would have asked exactly the same question, but apparently the answer is yes, uh, because everyone's been <laughs> raving about it. Like So, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe I'll um, hate it, who knows, but... I'm interested. They're going to have to bring in some different texture to his character because otherwise the whole thing will be so tongue-in-cheek. It will be just like watching a meme. Well, I just remember him talking about a beach full of dicks in the trailer for the the Suicide Squad. And I'm like, I am in. I am in. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. It's actually been quite a good uh, week for news, by which I mean it's been quite a good week for my kind of news. Uh, We've had some lovely, lovely trailers, including the Obi-Wan trailer. Did you both watch the Obi-Wan trailer? Yes. Yes. And are you, as I am, about 8,000% more excited about that show than you were prior? to the Obi-Wan trailer? No. No, Terry is not impressed. Go on, Terry, let's hear it. What's the problem? Why, why are you being no. a mizog? No, just not excited. Ewan McGregor doesn't excite me. Um, 
it was on the cover of Entertainment Week. <laughs> That's so. the reason you don't That's, like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still still holding that like against it. it. Yeah, the grudge still Amazing. born. Wow. <laughs> the grudge. I. It was just exactly what I expected. My problem with it was just yes. exactly what I was expected. I mean, there was nothing surprising about it. So I don't know why it's changed. Well, I don't know what the fuck you expected from a trailer. Okay, of well, Kenobi. I would say there's two things. One, after having watched Boba Fett tit about on Tatooine for that whole season and make me want to take my own life, I'm like, oh, fuck me. Just something different to that is progress. And the fact that it feels like it's got di- a different texture to Boba Fett is a big win for me. But also it made me realise, and also he shared his Alec Guinness impression, which I thought was an interesting choice. And it made me think, oh, actually, I think I maybe do want to see more of this character. And like, and I'm not really into the animated series, so like Inquisitors don't mean an awful lot to me, but I'm like, oh, they look a bit cool. And it had a real Star Warsy feel. And yes, of course, they used the fonts. And honestly, if you showed me a trailer of Mr. Bean's Holiday and scored it to Duel of the mm-hmm. Fucking Fates, I would be like, ah! <laughs> but you know so I will totally give you that John Williams is responsible for like 80-90% of my excitement but I was just like give me Star Wars give me lightsabers give me Jedi give me Jewel of the Fates give me that little snoot horse thing that he's riding at the beginning I was like I want to see this I really do yes I'm here for it and I hated Boba Fett with the fire of a thousand twin sons so you know it oh, is you've what got struck me, me excited now Jamie. I, I, I forgot about but, this yeah yeah but by the way no i'm i'm a separate i'm excited by the show I, i'm really excited to watch the show itself to see what they do i just what well, i didn't think the trailer didn't particularly add to my excitement but i find it <gasps> no. so weird if you stand back from it for one minute this is what struck me watching that trailer yeah is that if you'd have said you know five years ago by the way there's going to be this um, this uh, Star Wars new thing where we're going to pick up from where the last of the prequels left off with um, Obi-Wan Kenobi back and uh, and Hayden Christensen's going to be back in it. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck's happened to him for the last 10, 15, 20 years? He's been years? waiting for this, I think. And Ewan McGregor's going to revive... Ewan McGregor's going to revive that role as well. And we're going to make this lavish looking thing that basically now with technology is exactly as good as a Star Wars film ever was in terms of technically and visual effects, etc. I mean, that is an incredible thing, isn't it? If you just sit yeah. back for a minute... It's uh, like Hedden Christensen's involvement in it. I find fascinating. Can we talk like, about how did Hayden that conversation go? Like, in terms yes. of thankless jobs, bear in mind he will be in a suit, right? And his voice will be overdubbed by someone else. So it's just like a it all it is is just him wearing a suit and not speaking. But presumably oh, but he not. Needs it. He well, and he needs it. it right? And he needs it's it. Like yeah, a, you he know, must have been, yeah. <laughs> he must have been so happy when they went. Oh, we want you in this thing. Yeah. We, we want like, you to oh, inhabit the suit and not hear your voice. Like <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but sure, <laughs> no. go for it. He's not busy. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. Oh, bless him. Bless him. You know what I wasn't yeah, excited about? Bless him. I was like Joe Barton's uh, Gotham PD series, which kind of got cancelled. Oh, yeah. That I was disappointed because mm. he's great, and I was really interested to see what that series was going to be. And they first of all put out a thing saying that it's turned into a kind of an Arkham project. I don't know an awful lot about that. But then they obviously dropped the Penguin news that uh, Colin mm. Farrell's Penguin from yes. The Batman is now going to be spun off into his own TV series, which asks all kind of questions, principally why. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I concur. Yeah, I just I, I really liked his performance in the in the Batman. I thought I thought that character was fun, and he was really fun, and it was like the 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 polar opposite of Jared Leto's fucking ridiculous thing in House of Gucci. Like there was a re- I felt like it was a valid choice to have Colin Farrell playing that role with the whole latex makeup, there? all that. 
Oh, it worked what for was, me. I thought it was fun. What was that choice? Because yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh. I, I genuinely had forgotten he was in the film. Genuinely had forgotten. Yeah. And it wasn't until Same. the credits. I was like, oh yeah, that was Colin Farrell. Which begs the question, why the fuck do you cast Colin Farrell when you cannot recognise his voice and you cannot recognise him? Well, that almost justifies I- it though. Yeah, he's acting, me, isn't he? Like, yeah, it's acting. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, but the fact that you didn't no. almost, that isn't that the point, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. that you couldn't tell it was him. I yeah. mean, look, I, I find it slightly <laughs> irritating that every time somebody is vaguely passable in a movie, somebody goes, let's give them their own show. Because like, <laughs> almost like, well, we're surprised it was, they were, good or okay or whatever like the Batman had issues of its own it did. but mm. does it does that need a whole thing again it better not be the same tone as the Batman because I don't know that oh, I could no. survive oh, that no. like oh, no. fuck me Oh no! Oh no! 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 Levity, people! Levity! Yes, please, levity! Again. I have one. a word for I you: ask. levity. And that some <laughs> gag wasn't a gag. Even Seven had jokes, people. Even seven had mm-hmm. jokes. Uh, right, what else? I've got lots of other things I want to talk about, but I'll give you guys Ooh. a chance to speak. So. Well, I just wanted to mark the 25th anniversary of Buffy this yes. week. Yes. Are we coming back Was to EW? Because they did a big old shoot with them all. <laughs> I know they did. But no, I'm not. I'm not acknowledging that. But I did. Um, uh, do you know what? It made me think about where I stand on it with, you know, Joss Whedon and... Mm. All of the things Who they didn't and, mention I mean, at any point. <laughs> no, and I'm sure you guys talked about uh, that big interview he did the oh, week yeah. he did it mm. when he uh, attempted to <laughs> redeem himself and and dug a dug a hole bigger than any hole that's ever existed <laughs> in the history of holes. Um, but you know what? Like I rewatched some this week. I I say that like I don't mm. do that regularly, and I still think you put putting all that. All of that aside, I still think it stands up and it stands the test of time. And I would happily show my daughter if I had one that show. And it just takes me back to being a teenage girl trying to find my way in the world, feeling already like I was surrounded by um, dominating, uh, ineffectual inferior men um and buffy <laughs> well buffy how things have was, changed terry <laughs> <laughs> buffy was my figure of womanhood and i had a bit of a moment this week um thinking about what buffy meant to teenage terry so yeah i just wanted to mention the anniversary and she did a, a nice little thing on instagram didn't she she just did yeah I thought a few it. of them did actually come out and talked about yeah. how much it's meant to people and it is i mean it's a, it's a landmark show 100 percent. it's fantastic i absolutely loved buffy it's so good Boy, did you have any news? Well, the Better Call Saul trailer um, went was out this week, and that for Better Call Saul fans, I know um, you're you're behind, aren't you, James? Um, yeah, I'm behind, was... but I'm, I like to think I'm a, I'm like a fan in waiting. I will be a fan yeah. when I ever see. Yeah. But that's well, that's what we were talking about earlier. Like Better Call Saul, I stopped after the first season because I found it quite hard work, and I never went back to it. And I know when I do, I will be like, "What was I thinking? Why did I stop?" Well, I have to say, this trailer, like unlike the everyone can Obi one, I mean, <laughs> was, I was, it, was it anyway. scored by Jewel of the Fates? No, it was actually set to Andy Williams' Days of Wine and Roses. Um, and it's got this lush kind of like slow, um, beautiful, 
ballady quality in the and the um, and because obviously the whole point about this show is as the prequel to Breaking Bad, it's how does Jimmy McGill transform into Saul Goodman? What, but the main thing is what happens to Rhea Seahorn's character, his 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 partner at the moment, and why she is not in Breaking Bad. She's never talked of. So everyone's assuming she's going to die horribly somehow, and she's one of the best characters on TV. She has been for the last five, six, seven years, however long Better Call Saul's taken. So she appears, and you're, you know there are intimations of danger that she's facing, shall we say. And I don't think Better Call Saul fans like me can take whatever's going to happen to her in this show. But how they do it, and it's got lots of n- n- tricky little references to the fact that, you know, it's not going to end up how you think it's going to end up. So it's just intriguing. That it's got, And you know how, and I often agree with like people who say that prequels to things and origin stories, you know, I mean, talk about the, the, the Bama essentially has the Penguin origin story. That's what we're talking about just now in a way, that, that character, isn't it, in, in that show. It's like, well, this is going to become the, become the Penguin, but he isn't the Penguin at all in that film. This whole series has been about an origin story of the character of Saul Goodman, in um, Breaking Bad, but it's worked so beautifully, and it's every, just the way it's been created, and the, and the tension of how is he going to end up the person we knew from Breaking Bad is fascinating. So yeah, that trailer is amazing, and it arrives. The show arrives April eighteenth, April nineteenth, probably here yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, which is the first part of yeah. the last season, isn't it? Yeah, the first, yes, they're in two chunks as they do that every show these days. Yeah. Everything has to have two part things. Yeah. Terry, something that you you should be excited about, Russian Doll. We've got the date for when that's coming about. That's next month. It's April the 20th. Seven new episodes. It feels like forever. Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't feel it? like forever? Mm. The cockroach. Yes. The cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> that and, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, why have I lost my ability to remember things? Uh, Star Trek. Gentleman Strange New Jack. Worlds. <laughs> Gentleman Jack. Season two, yeah, Gentleman Jack, yeah. first look trailer. God, that's been a long uh, time. Which has also been. Yeah, it was, it was screened this week and I couldn't go. But yeah, they had a big screening at the BFI for, for Gentleman Jack. Looking forward to that. I think Bridgeton as well. Like, oh, that's, uh, oh, Bridgeton. that's next that's, week, I think. We'll, yeah. be, doing, we'll be reviewing that no, next week. No oh, yeah. trailer. Oh, trailer, an, yeah, trailer, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Latest trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen it. Never going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so Brilliant. you weren't sold. Just, by I don't think James. The same for James. <laughs> well, that, that, wasn't it pitched as Downton Abbey meets Pornhub? And I was like, that's a really weird sales pitch for a show. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I've no, I've never seen. Never seen a single episode of Bridgeton. Not one. Wow. But well, I may have, have to, to for next week. week. Yes, exactly. You'll have yeah. to fill me in. But uh, there was a trailer, yeah. the first trailer, in fact, for Star Trek Strange New World. Oh, which, Terry, yeah. you caused me very excited to hear that Anson Mount's Captain Pike is coming back. Obviously, you loved him in season two of Discovery, along with number one Spock, but they're all going to be back for a brand new series. And I have to say, while I was excited to see the trailer... It felt less of a trailer and more of a call to kind of Paramount investors. Do you know what I mean? Because you know all the stuff that broke from Disney was from the from the Disney investors call, which is possibly the sexiest event in history. Like this, the Strange New Worlds trailer had that real kind of like, this is for our commercial partners vibe. Like I didn't, <clears throat> the tone of it bothered me a little bit. That said, I'm 100% here for this series. Like fucking Mount Pike is brilliant. Yes, of course, you are walking in, uh, shall we say, canon. It's a minefield of what is and isn't canon there, which obviously they've tried to, to, to sidestep by chucking Discovery into the future. But since that's not working out for me, I'm hoping that this might be the show to salvage Star Trek for me. 
That's, uh, that's, that's my hope. I, I am quite excited about it, I have to say. Is this going to be, do we know, is, structurally, is this going to be like basically the original structure? It's going to be like a, and a story a week? It looks I like that way from, so. from that trailer. Really? Is I it? think it might be. I don't know. I like, so I wouldn't quality be to, see... to it that they're going to... I mean, look, you may be right. I'm not here for procedurals, as you know. Like, I find that that, that, that oh, kind of format bugs the shit yeah. out of me. So <laughs> we exactly. may have a problem I'm really there, hoping it is just so that it bugs the shit out of me. Just to torment me, yeah. That'll be it. That'll be the, yeah. the, the yeah. nail in the coffin for Star Trek for me. Who knows? On that procedural note, can I uh, mention that Hulu have ordered a uh, new detective drama. I'm calling it a procedural. <laughs> starring... The man who should be in all detective drama come procedurals, Mandy Pattinkin. <laughs> Boy, you're with me on this, aren't yes, you? Yes, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I watched the oh, first yeah. season of Criminal Minds. Homeland. Minds. <laughs> yeah. Homeland yeah. He in Criminal Minds. That is, by the way, one of the greatest characters in any procedural. He is good. He's very good. Yeah. So fucking brilliant in that, and. Price knows when we'll get it over here because it's Hulu, but I am very, very, very excited. And it's called, it's not the snappiest name, Career Opportunities in Murder and Mayhem. That's terrible. That's genuinely terrible. Yes. <laughs> it's genuinely terrible. Let's yeah. see if it survives. But I am, I am very, very excited about that. I think he's such an underrated actor by lots of people and he is magic in everything. He is great. You know, he's on a cruise him. ship. Which is, yeah, that's the premise. It's so, I yeah, didn't know yeah, that yeah, bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on a fucking cruise ship. Yeah, that's what. A that. bit like I think maybe they that, um... axe that title then and call it "Cruise for a Corpse" or something like that. <laughs> no, no. no. Okay. Cruise, cruise for cop, cruise, cup of cruise, cups on a cruise, death cup, waters, cruise, something. I don't know. Crap. Cup, crop and order, cruise and order. What's happening? Cruise and order. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Vikings Valhalla has been renewed for two more seasons of Netflix. Cruise oh. and order. Oh, there's got to be a pun in there somewhere. Oh. Yeah. Um, you carry on, I'll just sit here. Just, cruise and order. Yeah, you cruise and order. Now. Lauren Cruise. There, <laughs> Lauren Cruise. There was a trailer for uh, DMZ on HBO Max, which I think lands on HBO Max next week in the US. I don't know when we're getting it over here. Uh, but that's based on the graphic novel, uh, which Rosario Dawson's in that. That looks really good. I'm quite excited about that one. But more than any of that, and a lot of people tweeting me about this, God of War, the God of War series, which is one of my favourite video games, uh, that is being adapted for Prime Video. But more importantly, it is being adapted by Mark Fergus and Hawk Osby, showrunners from The Expanse, and Rafe Judkins, showrunner from The Wheel of Time. So I'm saying a good time is going to be had by all. Including Terry. Whatever, let's move on. We're running out of time. Come on. <laughs> all right, all right. A couple of other things I want to say. Uh, there was a poster for The Boys, which means Billy Butcher might be getting superpowers. That was quite exciting. There is a new show being announced called Isle of the Dead because they are never going to get tired of Things of the Dead. But this is a Lauren Cohen and Jeffrey Dean Morgan Walking Dead spin-off where it's Maggie and Negan. And that bakes my noodle in so many ways. But also delights me now I, I must say i'm maybe bakes my, bakes my noodle bakes have you never heard noodle. this phrase what bakes my noodle no where did you get that from i don't know 
It's just something I've kind of picked up. I mean, you make a valid point because noodles are traditionally boiled, not baked, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But go with me. Go with me. So, so, so. I'm about. F- I'm gonna, <laughs> you're going to Google this. You carry this. on. I'm going <laughs> to Google gonna it. You're going to Google this, right? Carry fine. On. You tell me if I've got it wrong. <laughs> right. So, so, so Negan is my favourite character in The Walking Dead, which is surprise absolutely no one. But, uh, but I love his dynamic with Maggie, whose husband he beat to death with a baseball bat, and. I just, I find it mental that they've got a spin-off series. I will say that, A, I think this is brilliant. I'm absolutely going to watch it. But I'm a few episodes behind on The Walking Dead. So it may be, so I'm deliberately not reading the stories around this because I don't want to know the details of how this is happening because I'm not quite up to date. But that's, this is exciting stuff. I'm here. Terry, have you Googled it? What have you got for me? (laughs) In the least surprising (laughs) turn of events ever, in the movie... The Matrix. Oh yes. <laughs> the Oracle said to Neo, "What's really going to bake your noodle later on is wow. would you still have broken it if I hadn't said anything?" There we go. I knew I went for somewhere. Wow. Inadvertently <laughs> quoting the Matrix. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a, it's nothing if not on brand. Uh, At least it's the original, not Matrix Resurrections. I suppose. 100%. I would be fucking quoting that shit. Anyway, no. right. Let's move on uh, before we run out of time to this week's reviews. Uh, and first up this week we have Holding based on the novel by none other than Graham Norton and starring Conleth Hill as a hapless cork based sergeant of the Garda whose community is upended by the discovery of some human remains that Derry Girl's eye-rolling nun Siobhan McSweeney also stars in this one but Boydie was this Holding all the cards or were you having none of it see that's good salvaged it there that was, that wow. was good none, wow. none pun Okay, uh, let's just say I think I know we're going to have disagreements of opinion over this. Um, I watched it. I watched the first couple of episodes. Um, I haven't read the Graham Norton book. This is um, adapted from the book by Dominic Trebold Collins, who worked on EastEnders a lot, and he also worked on a very English scandal and a very British scandal. And Karen Cogan co-wrote it with him. It's directed by the legendary Kathy Burke. Um, but, you know, she doesn't do much TV. She directs a lot of theatre stuff. Um, uh, great to have her involvement. And it's kind of a whodunit, basically. So the premise is set in this village in West Cork. West Cork, remember, is that kind of quite arty community in Ireland, rural community where lots of artists are drawn. It's got quite quite creative people drawn. It's set set in a village there, a fictional village there. And the idea that this kind of fairly sleepy, seemingly sleepy, small Irish village is suddenly woken up by the discovery of the bones on a building site of of a corpse. And everyone in the community seems to assume that these are the bones of a guy who disappeared disappeared from the community a few years previously and who at least two possibly more of the female cast members characters had some kind of relationship with some kind of fling with or a closer relationship with so you're introduced in the first episode to this premise and that the local police sergeant pj played by conleth hill is this very kind of um laid back guy who kind of sits in his car um binge eating on kind of snacks and you know and food that's probably not good for him um and he's kind of like you know just has to deal with like his day his day as a policeman in this community is basically spent trying to deal with people complaining about the color of paint that a shop has been painted (laughs) by these snobby women who think they rule the whole locality and he has to deal with that and that's about the level of his law enforcement that he has to do until this corpse arrives on the scene he's then paired with a kind of young hot with it eager guy from the big city 
City who comes in to kind of investigate, who's a proper detective, and is like the polar opposite of his character. It feels like now I'm I'm aware as I'm describing the show that it feels a, a little bit cliched, like you know, a small Irish village and the villagers and what they deal with being small-minded and you know, discovery of a corpse in a cold case thing. None of this is very original, and that is valid. But I think what this show is doing is exploring those stereotypes and cliches and and and, and not sticking with to them and actually creating interesting rounded characters and particularly PJ Conneth Hill and I think Conneth Hill is fucking awesome in everything he does Varys was one of my very favourite characters in Game of Thrones he was brilliant and I think he's fantastic in this I immediately believe in his character I think his kind of essential decency and kind of soulfulness is a really interesting thing to watch play out while he's dealing with this crime and he's almost reluctant to kind of get involved in it um but there's something fascinating about him. And the title refers to how a lot of people, him and a lot of the other characters in this show, are in a holding position. They're kind of not quite like doing much with their lives. And what does that really mean? So it's kind of a weirdly, interestingly laid back quality to it, I think, that could be confused for being, I don't know, slow and not that eventful. I'm with it. I've gone with it. I like the vibe of it, um, and I'm f- and I and I and I'm looking forward to finding out how the plot resolves itself. But the particular strength for me is the cast. Siobhan McSweeney's in it from Derry Girls. Charlene McKenna's in it. Um, uh, Brenda Fricker's in it. All these great, particularly women, I think, are fantastic. And but he is the MVP. Conleth Hill. I love his character, and I'm 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 enjoying the show. Other opinions may differ. <laughs> Um, yeah, at first I couldn't work out if it was ironic. Do you know what I mean? So PJ's got these kind of oversized, almost hipster-ish glasses. There was something knowing about it, which I couldn't tell if it was meant to be knowing or whether that was something I was just seeing because I... wasn't just taking it at face value like I should and if I take it at face value it is very warm it's very gentle um a little bit slow for my personal liking I did feel like there were quite a few little tropes and cliches of a you know a drama of this type where there is somebody who drinks too much and she says, I have complete control over myself and and falls over in the most overt, (laughs) I am a secret alcoholic, but I'm not, uh, I'm not that secretive about it way. There's there's heavy handed little bits for me in the writing and in some of the performances that kind of um, were a bit of a reveal. But as you say, the cast is incredible. You know, Helen Behan, who every time I've been on this podcast, I've somehow managed to mention her, who was in Virtues and This Is England. And I think she's an incredible naturalistic actor. I don't know if she had the most to do. I only watched the first episode, Um, but she's amazing. Siobhan McSweeney, who you mentioned, as I said, I think that the the scene I'm talking about, which was a bit heavy-handed, I think it was the way it was written. So for me, it's not something that I would go back to because something about it, as I say, I can't work out if it's knowing or if it's just genuine and warm and and slow and lovely. And, and if so, 
that's not really for me. And if it's knowing, that would irritate me. So that's not that that's not really for me. And Kathy, all I will say is it's it's surprising for Kathy Burke, and not in a negative way necessarily. I think it's it's perhaps you always expect I always expect like anarchy and um kind of social issues and and searing critique and and this isn't that at all um which as i say isn't a negative but i was surprised when i i read that she directed it for some people the people who like this kind of thing it will hit a very 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 sweet spot but i'm not that person yeah i it, it felt like sort of i guess lightweight but pleasant was kind of how Mm. I what I got I, it was fine I re- I won't watch anymore but I quite enjoyed it like you know I I enjoy, but I enjoyed that kind of thread of and again I often have this problem I was like is this a comedy I'm not sure but I enjoyed that there was like that thread of sort of light-hearted slightly absurd humor going through it I don't think I was by the end of the first episode particularly invested in the murder I was more just kind of interested in the characters and their interactions I found it quite quaint at times but um yeah, like, like I say, I, I can't watch. The poster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I quite uh, quaint at times. Um, con- but, ca- but I know what you're saying. The community bit. Th- yeah. That's a that's a really good point, actually, because I think that's what I was responding to. Was that lovely little community was actually really nice. Yeah. I didn't care about the the remains so much, mm. but it was nice to be part of <laughs> that community. I want to find for- out if they get the shop repainted. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's actually less quaint and gentle than it appears to be. I think that's what it's doing, mm. and and that it, it, because the first episode had to introduce quite a large group of characters, but as it goes as it goes on, or as I, I'm pre- it, it it gets less quaint and less gentle, okay. and it's actually I think it's smuggling its its messages and its ideas into a seemingly quite so that's what i think it's doing i think it's neither it's not actually being knowing it was really invested in these characters particularly him particularly pj conifield's mm. character Conifield but it will brilliant. get sharper mm. he's brilliant mm. it, it gets the sharpness it, it will will be there for all to see as it goes on is, a lot, is what i'd say all right well time is mm. against us so we will say holding then airs on the itv on the ITV. Yes. Holding airs on the ITV from today, Monday, March 14th at 9pm. Next up this week, we have We Crash, the true story of WeWork's tumultuous development, which stars Jared Leto doing another accent uh, as the startup's co-founder Adam Newman and Anne Hathaway as Rebecca, his partner both in and out of business. Terry, We Crashed or Not Crashed? <laughs> It's not French, is it? It's meant to be. I mean, I was about to say, if you were listening to me, it could be fucking French. (laughs) It's meant to be Israeli. So I'm obsessed with this story, which is basically the rise and fall of of WeWork. I have read the book, um, the very big, well-researched book by journalists from the Wall Street Journal, called The Cult of We. I watched the incredible Netflix documentary, which was brilliantly done, pieced together from, you know, th- him especially, um, Adam. He did a lot of public speaking, a lot of keynotes, a lot of te- a lot of interviews. He was very keen on building his profile, which meant there was a lot of material. And then there were interviews with staff. And, and I thought that documentary was brilliantly, brilliantly done. So when it comes to 
a kind of a, a dramatization. It's it's interesting because what is it there to do really? And we should say that this is based on a podcast. And what they're saying is this focuses on the love story at the center of this uh, mess, basically. Because as everybody knows, they basically said we were shared office space but their grand vision was i don't know why i'm laughing because it's so absurd was that they extend this to every aspect of your life so schools and places of worship and basically you know you'd send your kids to a we work school and you'd all it, it kind of weirdly culty um but they had this big vision for essentially bringing people together in all areas of their life all around the world. Um, And they're so ridiculous as human beings. And you see this in in the documentary. They both are incredibly egotistical, complete narcissists. Um, They're like, what's that? phrase snake oil salesman salesman, yeah Yeah. that that's basically what they are and i think they kind of believed some of it but fundamentally they are ridiculous characters so part of the challenge you've got with the dramatization is like truth really is stranger than fiction and this story has been told quite well by other people you've got jared leto and who isn't necessarily the most likable actor himself and you've got Anne Hathaway playing these two people who are just unbearable like they're complete narcissists <laughs> and I you can't bear like I can't bear spending time with them they drive me mad and I already know most of what's happened because I I've you know read about it or or watched it on something else and so for me I didn't get anything new from this apart from uh, a feeling of intense irritation as I was watching it. And it's, you know, he he his version of the American dream, which is essentially what the whole thing was built around, was all about self-promotion and it was all about individualism, all about his pursuit for extreme wealth. And, you know, at one point WeWork was worth $47 billion, yeah. I think. And then literally just as they were on the brink of going public um, and before their IPO, everything fell apart. They It literally just collapsed overnight and they brilliantly blamed it on him smoking dope but it was actually because no money existed they were massively 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 in debt um and it's kind of a parable or a you know a modern tale of the dangers of these aggressive startups run by young ambitious people who don't really understand the nature of business get a lot of people to invest based on their charm and on this vision they sell but actually there's often not a lot behind it and it's kind of smoke and mirrors and a lot of people end up losing a lot of money um a lot of people who worked for them don't have very good stories to tell they do kind of describe it like a cult um it just i i and I only watched the first episode. I would have watched more. I only got asked on this podcast yesterday, I should say. <laughs> That's because my fault. Betty, That's right. Because Betty was there. So I Full wanted, to watch, I wanted to, to watch more to see if it if it kind of picked up or, you know, but even from a on a, a stylistic perspective, I 
wasn't very impressed like the uh, kind of a pedestrian use of split screen um which didn't really serve any function other than to show lots of things happening at once there were ways you can do that more dynamically it was full of all of the kind of cliches and tropes that are kind of there because you know this guy basically lived his life like one big instagram inspirational quote but those tropes within there kind of weren't used uh in a subvertive way or anything like that and i you know there was one line where he goes in every great startup story there's an all-nighter because they were gonna have to work all night like it got quite meta because they're like referencing narratives within the narrative if Mm. you know what i mean almost like they know they're going to be part of the story um I felt like there was an attempt to make them rounded human beings. There's a scene where Anne Hathaway is crying and and says, um, oh, I don't want to go back to being nothing or something like that. But you, you don't really believe her having those emotions and, and it doesn't add anything. And I don't know, it felt like, it wanted to make them seem less ridiculous and give them a bit of humanity. Um, but none of that really tracked. And the, I didn't find any depth or substance to their characterization. Didn't reveal anything really um, that I didn't know. And the events are so crazy. Like what went on is is so utterly mad that I just don't really know what the point of this kind of was when there's a really good factual telling several really good factual tellings of this story elsewhere so i was kind of quite excited for this because as i say i'm obsessed with this story these people they're like they're like characters that somebody's drawn up they're that ridiculous and heightened but this didn't do them or the story any justice at all i don't think it's extraordinary the that you know in in this world at the moment where we've got so many of these shows dealing with charlatan egomaniac um messianic yeah, self-loving bellends, true stories, most of them told in podcasts, and they're all, you know, the dropout, Joe versus Carol, mm. um, Sick to some extent, Inventing Anna, mm. it's much better than Inventing Anna, I mean, we'll say that, but I agree with you, but actually, these two are the most annoying out of all of them, they're even more annoying than fucking Anna and Inventing Anna, and even more annoying than Joe, Joe Exotic in Joe versus Carol, and I don't know whether, and I think that's partly to the performances, Jared Leto, as you say, I mean, he's just doing the same fucking accent as he does of Mauricio Gucci in fucking House of Gucci and why, I don't know what Anne Hathaway thought she was getting into but her character is Honestly. kind of it's such an oh it's like what's the point of her being her it's a really really feel like she didn't, shouldn't have got involved in it at all I, I don't think um, it is it is they are hideous people but you're right there's something about the storytelling that isn't making it uh, unlike for example actually the dropout i think is the best of these in recent times and that's a really there's something about the storytelling in that and the performance crucially yeah and the performance and everything that keeps you watching it there isn't yeah actually i have watched episode two of this there is a scene where um she wanks him off in the middle of the big we work space that they're doing up we wank and you're like oh okay we wank yeah and you're like but again as i've said before with these things my first thought is when i watch this scene is i want to watch the real neumann's watching that like what are they thinking yeah. what are they gonna think when they watch yeah. that on their fuck you know like what, what i mean but 
they are. It's a fascinating story. So if you haven't seen the re- listen to the podcast yeah. or seen the thing, then it is fascinating. As you say, the events are ridiculous. I'm just going to leave you. I have to put him in this brilliant. I was, I was looked him up. I looked him up, and it's his description. He's so messianic. This is what they said. The Wall Street Journal reported yeah. that Neumann had aspirations to live forever, become the world's first trillionaire, expand WeWork to the planet Mars, become Israel's prime minister, and then president of the world. Yes. Yeah. James, so he's a narcissist would be an understatement. I, I did want to say, I've, I totally forgot one thing um, that I really do want to say, which is the fact that they've centred this on their love story, which is the least interesting thing about it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they feel like that's the only yeah. thing that hasn't been told. I don't give a fuck about how they met and fell in love and, and all of that because they're just two dreadful people who found each other and thankfully didn't inflict themselves on anybody else but that isn't the story the story is them as a human like what does it say about late capitalist society that's interesting (laughs) why two dreadful people fell in love and wanked each other off is not my concern it's suddenly become my concern i'm now quite interested in this uh this failed the bell end test so spectacularly i don't even know where to start so no i hated fucking both of them and i don't like it so that's my take on it i will say that adam Neumann is six foot five in real life. He's basically Jack Reacher, which kind of bakes my noodle, Terry. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, he's a skinny, ru- skinny runt of a, of a Jack Reacher. <laughs> yes. Anyway, carry on. Uh, uh, we crashed. Apple TV Plus on 18th of March. Um, next up this week, we have the return of Top Boy. This is Ronan Bennett's 2011 series, which makes a triumphant return this week, this time on Netflix. Sees Ashley Walters, Duchesne, and Kane Robertson Sully both return to a kind of tale of drugs and crime on Hackney's Summerhouse Estate. Who better to talk about Top Boy than Top Boyd? Thank you. Um, I am a fan of Top Boy. So, just in case people don't quickly, we haven't got much time, but Top Boy goes back weirdly to 2011 when it was a four part Channel 4 gritty, quite low budget thing about the dangers of joining gangs in working class communities, really, in London. Set in a fictional East London state called Summerhouse. Ronan Bennett created it, who's an Irish writer, um, and he kind of got the, the his cast members involved in the creation, creation of it. So, it wasn't just him telling a story that he wasn't part of because he's an Irish white guy, basically. Then, as it's gone on, it then became it kind of went away it got a second series of Channel 4 went away for years and then Drake the your favourite pop star James uh, got hold of it somehow and saw it on some somehow and decided to encourage Netflix to revive it and, and now and now they did revive it a couple of years ago with a much slicker big budget series with still with the core two characters Kate, played by Kano the rapper and Ashley Walters the two Duchesne and Sully who are like kind of um, op- they are the top boys they operate their essentially drug dealing and drug importing exporting business and their gang in the estate and they they are kind of um and they're the ones who basically exploit young kids mostly um uh, um right at they get them on board right at the start and they groom them. It's a lot about the grooming process of how young kids get involved in gangs like that and in criminal activity and violence. And what I would say of this new series is, it, it, I think the, the thing that, the, the, the unique thing about the show is that it, while it is quite slick and it is involving and it's, um, you know, it's kind of got a big cast of characters, it's got great, it's got cast members including Michael Ward, who's really good. Little Sims is fantastic as um, Shelley, who is the the girlfriend of Duchesne, and she's really good in it. It's got it's got um, Adwo Aboa pops up in I think episode two or three as a love interest for Jack, um, and which is really interesting. She's a superstar, huge model, James. I'm sure you're aware, Vogue cover model, etc. So it's got really interesting casting. It's got a really interesting um, kind of um, setting and quality to it. It's got a really interesting. Um, uh, the way it deals with the issue of 
kids getting involved in this kind of thing. And and what what sums up for me the the what it does really well. It's really effective about in in humanizing this whole thing. You, you, people just dismiss gangs and gang violence, you know, in in housing estates, but it humanizes the situation. And there's one um, storyline in the in this first three episodes, which is the mother of a kid who's disappeared, who got involved in the gangsters at the end of the last series, and he's just she just doesn't know where he is, and she's literally wandering the streets, wandering around the estate, asking everyone she meets what's happened to my son, and it's heartbreaking. And the resolution of that is extremely extraordinarily heartbreaking and when it's dealing with that kind of stuff this is a really moving powerful show and that's my main message about its main achievements i felt a little bit lost i'll be honest with you having never watched top boy i didn't really know who anyone was and yeah i i I broadly picked up what it was about but it took me a while like it feels like something that's it's not something you want to go into cold i feel like you kind of really should have seen the other things going into this or it just it gibberish is a strong word but i was i struggled a little bit to get into it. <laughs> Terry, had you ever watched the original Top Boy? Uh, yes, and we've reviewed it before and I think you were off, actually. Oh, okay, well, that explains a lot. James, oh, when yeah. we did. Yes, because um, Amon came on that week. Do you know what? I love Top Boy and I'm so glad that Netflix rescued it when the BBC made that terrible decision. Um, and I love the fact that Ronan Bennett's still writing it because I just think he is an absolute genius at creating this world, but actually broadening it. Like we had Jamaica last season. It opens like narcos this time. You're like, hang on, where are we? We're not in South London. Um, It takes real boldness, I think, to do that when you've created such a a realistic corner of one part of the world. What I found really interesting as seasons have gone on is how women have been brought to the centre of this because, you know, it started off as a as a brilliant interrogation of of gang culture, as uh, Boyd says, but also masculinity and young masculinity and, and that period when boys become men and and group kind of masculinity and what that does and how it forms between boys. Um and I think, you know, Ashley Walters is absolutely impeccable in this still, but the women, Little Sims, as Boyd says, but Jasmine uh, Jobson, who plays Jack, is just absolutely mm. superb. And Erin Kellyman, who's a new uh, character this season, she's brilliant as well. And I think it's just, everybody says it's authentic, which it is, but I also think it's it's way more ambitious than people maybe give it, it credit for. Um, it tells both small intimate stories but also stories at scale I think it's just superbly superbly uh, done and it's brilliant and you James Dyer should go back to the beginning and watch it all because I think actually I think if you gave it um, your time I think you'd be really interested in what it has to say about masculinity Mm. and all of those things that I miss talking to you about. Oh, interesting, interesting. Well, that weirdly that mm. has actually made me want to watch it in a way that sadly, boy, mm. you didn't. But yeah. <laughs> sorry, well, I, I was speeding up too fast because I thought we had to finish too quickly. But just, I'll just, I'll just say, Jasmine, yeah, Jasmine Johnson is amazing. It's Jack, you're right. And the scene in episode two or three, I can't remember because I've watched most of it, where she where she goes for a date on a date because she is an extraordinary figure, powerful, ruthless figure, and then she goes on a date with Adwoa Boa, and it's fucking hilarious as well. So it also has some brilliant moments of humour and, and kind of and observational wit, which are fantastic. Yeah, and women and women as you know, like 
not just you'd often see it say in the brotherhood um films you'd often see women as kind of appendages they would be um side pieces or baby mamas or all of these things and they often wouldn't have agency or have a lot of nuance or be you know like she is she she would like drop kick you as soon yeah. as look at you she's, she's terrified can be yeah. cruel and terrifying and, and all these things but quite masculine traits often in in mm. shows like this and they aren't afraid to write female characters that have that much depth and terror and all of those things mixed in i just think it, it it's really brilliant to see not just female characters being moved to the centre who are there to support men or to reflect somehow on the male characters, but who are integral to the action and aren't in any way types that you might expect. Well, The Return of Top Boy lands on Netflix on the 18th of March. Uh, What else is there this week? Well, all of the the Netflix Marvel shows make their way onto Disney Plus this week. They will land on the 16th. So Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Defenders, Punisher, Daredevil, (laughs) and Iron Fist. Uh, So if you want to watch those, you can watch those on Disney Plus as of then. Anything else, Boyd? I know there's at least one thing you want to talk about. Uh, what you, oh, what what are you referring to? Uh, well, there's Funeral Bloods for Dogs. Season 2. Oh, which Bloods. Sky oh, yeah, Bloods. I love 16th. Bloods. Mm. Correct, thank you. Yes, well, I hosted the launch for that this week, and it's, that's a fantastic show. Jane Jane Horrocks, um, Samson Kayo, um, Catherine Kelly joins the cast as a brilliant character. It's a really, really good show. Um, did we review the first series? I can't remember. We did, We should yes. have done if we didn't. Yeah, we did. Oh, good. It's even, second series, even better. It's, it's a fantastic step up. It's a really well-observed. It's kind of part of the responder, and this is going to hurt, to unflinch dealing with the reality of life on the in the NHS as ambulance people as first responders etc and yeah it's fucking funny as well the gag rate is great so yeah Bloods um, Sky Comedy now Wednesday Funeral for a Dog is a really interesting series starting on Sky Atlantic and now on Friday it's this epic kind of um uh, a drama about a missing person and a friendship that forms when they're trying to find the missing person. Um, it deals with 9-11. It's, it's set in Italy, Germany, New York, Finland, South America. It looks epic. And I've only watched the beginning of it, but it looks really good. Funeral for a Dog. Friday, um, Kane Koji's back with a new cast member um, instead of Bo- J- Jimmy Akinbola, who left. That's ITV, the only ITV sitcom I can think of at the moment. That's on Wednesday. Human Resources starts on Netflix on the 18th, which oh, yeah. is from the creators of Big Mouth. It is an animation, so I don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's an animation. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Right. What is our pick of the week, people? Top Boy. Terry. Uh, mm, top boy. Yeah, it's yeah. well. You, oh, you didn't really like yeah. the other two. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I was very, very concerned about where that was going. I was yeah. like, what are we yeah. going to pick here? Uh, mine is, of course, <laughs> The Last Kingdom. Uh, and that is it for you this very end. special reunion episode of the Pilot TV podcast. <gasps> oh, if you, like Terry, wish to call me a bell end in public, uh, then please do head over to Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating. And if you'd like TV goodness in your eyes as well as your ears, and do please follow us on at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can, as ever, find me and Boyd at James C. Dyer and at Boyd Hilton. And you can find Queen Terry at Terry underscore White on Twitter and at Terry L. White on Instagram because she can't make anything straightforward. We'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled anarchy uh, where we'll be looking at the long-awaited arrival of Peacemaker on Sky. Uh, very likely the 
second season of Raised by Wolves and a third show that could be Bridgerton, could be Pachinko on Apple, but we haven't discussed it, frankly. So I'm just making this shit up as I go along. Boyd's shaking his head, so I've clearly said something wrong. Yeah. I don't know what it is. but Raised, Raised by Wolves gone back. It's not Has on. Has it? It's moved? Yeah. Where's it, it gone moved, to? Yeah. yeah. Uh, back just back it's not on yet on right. Sky, so, so we will not soon. be reviewing anyway, Race by Wolves next week because it's not on <laughs> apologies for that um, but but none of that really matters because Terry it has been an absolute joy to have you among us for this little lap of honour thanks for answering our call be honest you've missed us well I mean I've never pretended <laughs> I haven't I miss I miss you a huge amount I miss the listeners a huge amount I missed both of you oh <laughs> Don't make me get emotional, but yeah. <laughs> you missed us so much that you cut yourself I, a fringe. I, I on cut the myself show. a fringe live Why? on the show. And I do and as I was doing it, I thought, oh God, I did tell James that if he ever saw me cutting my own fringe, it was because I was doing a cry for help. But um I've loved being back. Thank you so much for having me and um I love you and miss you all. Oh, that's it's lovely. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you. Now, let me fill you in on season two of Picard because you've missed a lot. You see, not only does the queue continue and return, but we're also introduced to a new generation Bye-bye. of Borg Queen, which is very exciting. Jean-Luc, of course, now head of Starfleet Bye-bye. Academy. Nice the Ballast Synthetics is listed. Now it all goes tits. 